0: You are listening to
1: Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian... World.
0: to the Bruce White Blue CFL Podcast. My name's Alex Davis, I'm your co-host for the show, and joining us always is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, what's going on this week? It, it,
1: it, I'm a couple yards from, I was a couple yards from being a little bit down this week, but I'm a little bit up this week.
0: <laughs> wow, the man whose emotions are ruled by the defending champion, still. Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We're going to talk some next week's games momentarily. But first, I wanted to get on to the issue that's on everybody's mind. Joe, tell us about your fantasy football team. Tell us about the Rouge White Blue
1: fantasy football team. Well, uh, I had to take one for the team. <laughs> my <laughs> my football team. Uh, actually, what happened was I was very close to winning, but... Uh, Rod had Kamar Jordan, and in the last uh, in the last comeback drive, apparently, uh, where Calgary was trying to come back on Winnipeg, which we'll talk about more later, uh, Jordan caught a few passes and uh, was able to give Rod the points to beat me. But I'll take – I will take taking one for the team so that the Bombers can win any day of the week, so I'm okay uh, with that.
0: Yeah, see, this is the fantasy football conundrum. I got the, the the one story I always tell is this. My brother is such a rabid Boston Celtics fan that he refuses to play fantasy basketball. He doesn't ever want to be in the position where he has to cheer for a player opposing the Celtics or cheer against the Celtics because he's on the other team. Now that's a true fan. <laughs> and in the CFL, it's especially difficult to avoid that scenario with nine teams to draw from. So, tough to be a fan and play fantasy football and not get burned at least one way. Pretty much every week, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, but we're all right. Uh, everybody in the league so far is either has won a game, has lost a game, and some have done both twice, so... There's really there's really a long way to go yet. This week, I get Mike Cats, So we'll see if I can get back into our winning, our winning habits that we had the first couple of weeks of the year.
0: All right. Well, let's talk last week's games a little bit. We'll also talk some stuff going forward in the case of this first game. As far as I see it, the score of the first game of the week, which was canceled, was COVID-19 Edmonton at Toronto 0. But I guess there's some more wide-ranging implications here that the elks made a cut today joe you want to tell us about this story
1: yes so it's breaking today as of tuesday the 31st of august can't believe tomorrow september ready and by the time you're listening to this it will be september but jake yeah apparently jacob ruby was cut uh today uh, by the Elks, and the reporting on that is uh, from Dave Naylor. Uh, as of this time, 8.09, 8.10 p.m. Eastern, is that Ruby was cut for misrepresenting his vaccine status. Let's take a at a couple of different life forms today, but that's that stayed consistent as to how that hasn't, but so we'll leave it at that. Uh,
0: the Elks Coaching staff, players, whatnot, anybody that is under protocols, apparently is due up today on Tuesday. So they can get back to practice and whatnot Um, this week. They'll be playing next week. As for the Argonauts, I I guess it's the same issue for them. I, I don't understand that there's any problems with COVID there. And they, by dint of getting the bonus bye week, uh, they still lead that Eastern side at 2-1. Speaking of which, the reason why they lead that side 2-1, to one, Hamilton Tiger Cats 27, Montreal Alouettes 10. I don't know. I, I'm finding it a little bit difficult to be really objective about this, Joe. So I'm going to hand this one to you first. What were your impressions of this game from either side, either the Tiger Cats side or the Alouettes side?
1: Okay, well, with the tie Cat side, they still had some trouble keeping Dane Evans upright this week, but Evans was able to do a little bit more with the protection issues than Jeremiah Mazzoli has done in the first few weeks, so I would look for Dane Evans to at least get the ball next week, and who knows, maybe going forward, but that has not been determined yet officially. Um, it looks like the tie Cats defense is still pretty legit uh the issue being for the montreal offense is that it looks like vernon adams is trying to win the games all by himself uh it seems like taking checkdowns is something that hasn't been happening and while adams has the talent to make big play after big play it's a little bit easier to do that when the defense isn't expecting you to go for it every single time well
0: this is my feeling on this. He, he wasn't getting help from anywhere. He didn't get help from anywhere in this game. So, for example, I mean, you can start with special teams, right? Special teams have been in the allowance favor in the first two games, right? This week, they're torched for 213 yards versus 83 that they produced. You know, they had been really good, especially on receiving the ball this season, not so much this year. The offense had been opportunistic in the first two games. In the last game against Calgary, they turned both the turnovers they got into touchdowns, okay? In this game, they didn't get any turnovers. So, so again, like, like, what can Vernon do with this, right? And, and, you know, for me, it was like, okay, again, you have the nine penalties, right? Only, only three by the defense. So I guess that's a positive spin on this one. But guess what? Three on the special teams. How is this happening? Uh, Again, Quan Bray gets a crazy uh, penalty again. You know, how is this happening? How is your wide-out receiver getting, like, these major penalties game after game? Okay, so the penalties were bad, not quite as deadly as last week. But, and, 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 you know, the thing is, like, Hamilton, you know, you talk about Dane Nevins, but, you know, he had a pretty, you know, mediocre game. What, 15 of 22? a couple hundred yards and you know not like it was fantastic and this game was 13 to 10 at the end of the third quarter you know it's just you know the 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 montreal defense apparently just didn't have the stamina because those last couple of drives in the fourth quarter by hamilton were just you know moving the ball at will kind of stuff you know the defense just ran a gas. so you know you can talk about Vernon Adams and, and the psychology of it, like I've seen some folks do in the CFL press today. and But, you know, the truth is that this was your proverbial team effort. Now, last week, I picked Hamilton coming out of the bye. Sure, why not? I think that's going to be a smart play all year pretty much for any team. Just coming out of the bye, okay. They're going to at least be competitive coming out of that bye. But you know, the more and more as this game progressed, the more evident it was that the that the Alouettes just didn't have it. Jeez, that Week 2 loss, based on all those stupid penalties, is really going to haunt us. All year. I mean, right now, the Alouettes are in last place. Now, that's due to Ottawa being 0-0 and in the division. But still, 1-2 in the first three games, that's... That's a bit of a pace setter in a 14-game season. For the Tiger Cats, I just wasn't that impressed. I thought they'd be a lot better than this coming out of the break. But, you know, I mean, about the only guy that really had a standout game, Erlington, Sean Thomas Erlington. You know, 10 carries for, what, 73 yards and a touchdown? He was the only really standout player. I mean, Brandon Banks, nowhere again. Going out on a hunch, I don't really think he's going to repeat his most outstanding player this year. I don't know what the story is here, but... What's the argument for Dave going forward?
1: Well, it, what an easy argument to make right now is... He's 1-0? Yeah, 1-0. <laughs> Another one is 14 points in two games or 27 points in one game. Not entirely on the quarterbacks, but... They moved the ball more consistently this week, which they haven't been able to do. So you you take what you got going. You make sure that if you're going to bring back Mazzoli, he's fully healthy. He's ready to go. You you have absolutely no reason to rush him back. And you see if Dane Evans is the guy going forward because there may be a team or two out there right now that are going – we really desperately need a quarterback. <laughs> what can we what can we throw at Hamilton to make them to make them hand off one of them? What's the trade deadline this year, do you know? I couldn't even tell you at this point, but I, I it's not it's, I don't think it's any time in the next couple weeks. I just feel like it's a little bit later in the season. Hamilton gets
0: Toronto at home next week. All right, let's talk BC Lions 24, Ottawa Redblacks 12. This this was the kicky game, right? This was the kicker's game, right? Seven field goals, mm-hmm. two rouges. Got to love this game if you love kickers. Uh Which I'm sure, by the way, I also wanted to say this, is going to be a typical game involving the Ottawa Red Blacks this season. I think, <laughs> once again, the strongest part of Ottawa's game is their field goal kicking. Because, woo, this was uh, real... Low watt game by Ottawa once again. I guess Riley looked pretty sharp for the Lions. This is his first real 100% game, but he still doesn't seem to have that arm strength that he has in years past. I mean, as long as completion of the game was 46 yards, and that pass did not go 46 yards, by the way. There was some uh, yak after that one. Uh, But on the other hand, you know, 23 32, 301 yards one touchdown zero interceptions good enough on the other other hand you know ottawa has done nothing this season but play not exactly ben don't break it's, it's more like ben then don't allow a touchdown at best you know i mean when when riley's passing for almost 72 percent and you know him and shaq cooper combined they're going for 5.7 yards per carry combined i mean and again they're moving the ball at will against this team this is not I, I don't believe that bc offense is very explosive yet but you know they looked a little bit better than they were against this defense um did you change your perspective of bc lines based on this game at all
1: not really no um i i i still don't have them in the top tier in the west although they're they're, they've been better than I was thinking they were going to be so far, but we'll see as things keep moving along with they could sustain this. Uh, their two victories were against a basically damaged Calgary team and Ottawa, and Ottawa is going to be the free space on the bingo card this year from the look <laughs> of things. unless you're sure Edmonton, but you know. So uh, I'm waiting. To, I'm waiting to see just a little bit more out of BC. I'd like to see them. I'd, I'd feel a whole lot better about them if they were able to beat Edmonton in the, on their home turf. But I mean, so far they're treading water. They're two and two. They could stay healthy now, and they can catch a few teams. They could probably if they can catch a couple teams that are that might be looking ahead to other teams. Um, they could start showing that they belong in the top tier. I'm not ready to put them there yet, but they haven't done anything to sink themselves either.
0: Look, for me, this game really just hammered it home. Isn't the problem Matt Nichols? I mean, the guy can't throw for a first down to save his life. I mean, in this game, five to an outs. I think four of them, there was at least one completed pass, and they're still going to an outs plus two turnovers which happened earlier in the drive rather than deep in the other guy's territory late in the drive. So, you know, I mean, I, I really, I gotta say, I mean, Nichols is, is on one hand, he may be the best part of this offense, but on the other hand, you're not going to win games running. Well, it's ball.
1: not even averaging 10 yards of completion. I know that the dump off game in Winnipeg worked pretty well with him because of the people he was dumping the ball off to. Yes. Would make, Plays on their own and get that first down and keep the ball moving. And Winnipeg was very much a possession-oriented offense right. uh, with Nichols at the controls for the last few years. There's no Andrew Harris in this backfield. Yeah. There's no Darvin Adams at wideout. There's no Nick Dembski to have the, to have the defenses having to worry about the lat going wide or even a lucky lucky Whitehead around there to g- even give the threat of somebody speed burning on you. They just don't have anybody that scares you. And if Nichols isn't, gonna, isn't going to be able to challenge you downfield, well, then you just sit on the short stuff and you, keep, you let him complete the pass, tackle him, three-yard gain. Okay, second and seven, now what? Exactly,
0: exactly. They're playing this sort of umbrella zone the whole time. They're able to drop back like nine guys, wait till the guy catches it, and then just crush him every time. Yeah. I felt bad for the receivers after a while, man, because they're just waiting for the pass and then looking over the shoulder. They're just going to get annihilated. You know, it was just, oh, it's really unfortunate to see. And I mean, yeah, you're, you're definitely right because there's no run option here. And Nichols isn't going to take off and run for it either. I mean, that's a threat in Saskatchewan. Now, apparently, that's even a threat against B.C., I mean, you know, he had, Riley had three carries and a touchdown, you know, and, and like, you know, 30 yards or something crazy, you know what I mean? So I'm having a real hard time seeing the Red Blacks go more than two and 12 this season at this point. If you can't score a touchdown, you're probably not going to win most of the time. (laughs) Right. Let's go on to the last one. Game of the week. Winnipeg Blue 18. Calgary Stampede sixteen. It's 2019 again. Isn't this great? Your heart attack team, your edgier your seat team. Andrew Harris is back. Zach Calera's heroics. I and mean, what's not to like?
1: Yeah, like to you know, like to get a rookie quarterback making a second start uh, a, a little bit rattled early on. Uh, that. That obviously didn't happen. What did he complete his first 16 17, passes? 17, 17, 17, pa- yep, 17 yep, passes? Yep. Yeah, I was a little bit less than thrilled with, the, with how <laughs> they went about trying to play defense in this game. Um, it seemed like they left the short stuff there. Uh, like the Umbrella Zone you were talking about, uh, BC playing, they left that there, but... Uh, Mayor, Mayor was able to – has weapons, so yeah. he was able to find holes in that, get the first downs, keep the ball moving. It felt like every time Calgary had the ball, they were moving down the field. They didn't finish enough drives to make it hurt uh, in the end, but they were they were very hard to get the ball away from.
0: Yeah, for me, this was – a spirit is willing, you know, flesh is not quite good enough to be competitive in the West <laughs> kind of team. I mean, for a while there, if you squinted and kind of ignored the stripes on on the uniform, I mean, this looked like the stamps that we've been used to. Obviously, Meyer can't air it out like Bo Levy. I mean, few people can in the CFL right now. But otherwise, it looked like these classic stamps teams of the
1: teams Mm -hmm. and and they were willing to lull the bombers into thinking that's all they were going to do and they took a couple of shots yep one on third and two in deep in their own territory and one on a throwback from from ambles to to mayor that just un- unfortunately for them, didn't connect the way they wanted them to, especially especially the third and two attempt that Huff fumbled at the end, which negated <laughs> what was a fantastic play call. I, I, like even as I saw them lining up for third and two, I'm like, oh god, they're gonna go deep, aren't yep. they? Yeah, they're gonna find they they found something they like. Dickinson went for the throat in this game, and it, yep. he darn near out coached the bombers to a win. Yeah, two
0: losses already on the slate. Uh yeah, he wanted he wanted to win this swap back. And and
1: to, and had uh had they gotten a few more yards in that final drive, they win that game. Sure. Uh Paradis isn't is doesn't have a cannon for a leg, but he's very accurate. Uh they were any close. I was, I was pretty convinced that he was going to make the kick, even even at the distance it was at, uh, knowing that his long was fifty two, which is what that kick was. But just knowing his parrot is, he's not going to feel the pressure, and it, he just didn't quite get enough on the kick.
0: Can you block a kick in the CFL? Is that legal?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so you can line up at the goalpost and swat
0: it if, if it's oh, that? Up. I, I'm not enough. Oh,
1: that? I'm not sure if they have the R.C. Owens rule or anything. Right. Uh, that one's for Greg, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good reference. But they, I don't know if they have that that rule there right. or anything, but uh, no. Uh, I don't I don't even think that would be a consideration.
0: <laughs> but you've got to feel good about the bomber's capacity like we saw on their playoff run in twenty nineteen to answer the big score with a big score.
1: That they have
0: been I mean doing. this is this is excellent. I mean this is a winning team. If they can maintain this I mean I don't want to give you too many heart attacks this season, but if they can maintain if oh, they, that, will. they, they, they will. can maintain that sort of mentality, they're going far. They're going far. And I guess the big test again, like we're gonna keep saying this until it happens, the big test is going to be Saskatchewan. Because Saskatchewan can score big very often. So we'll have to see if Winnipeg can answer that often. Or if just Big Hill and the boys can. Shut them down altogether,
1: and and there were signs that the offense could have gone for a lot more points. A sure. few drives were snuffed out by routine passes being dropped that should have very easily extended drives, and then of course the people that were dropping the passes would make the tough ones late in the game and save the game and make it and get them into field goal range and what have you. But you're not even having to make that effort if you make the earlier catches. But it's easier to it's easier to look back after a win and go. We could have won by more than, <laughs> holy crap, we lost this game because... Because of a field goal. A long field goal. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> right. Andrew Harris, 17 for 81?
1: Mm-hmm. One touchdown uh, for you? Definitely, yeah. definitely uh, the Andrew Harris of old on the first drive of the game. Mm. It seemed mm-hmm. like he got more of the defensive focus after that first drive. Uh, And it seemed like Calgary knew, pretty much had a sense of when he was coming. Um, So that left Kalaros and the receiver, the receiving core to do most of the work, minus Nick Dembski, who's really, I think he's a very underrated piece of that offense because he gives you a lateral dimension. Mm -hmm. He's a player that uh, can line up in the backfield for you and stretch your play wide really quickly. Uh, can run your cross your short crossing routes and stretch a defense horizontal, horizontally as well as vertically. Mm-hmm. I think missing him uh, is a big hurt, and I hopefully they get him back soon. Uh, but Harris did give the backfield a bit more of um, a bit more a lot of different things to be fair, because yeah. Harris Harris is one of those guys. Like we were mentioning McNichols in Ottawa. Nichols doesn't have anybody to dump the ball off to three yards downfield that can trick a three-yard pass and turn it into ten by running three people over. Mm-hmm. That's not there in Ottawa. Harris Harris is that piece that can do that for you in Winnipeg. Um, so having that dimension opens up the downfield game, which Kolaros is more likely to be able to make another team pay than Nichols would be.
0: Yeah, just it doesn't seem fair to a lot of teams in the CFL, Joe. I mean, Winnipeg started off hot. They might have won that third game if it hadn't been for a little low energy in the second half. And now they get the best to the best all purpose player in the CFL back. So good for you guys. All right. We're going to go to a real brief break here and then we'll talk week five. Week five. Wow. Wow. Okay, so let's talk week five, which opens with my Montreal Alouettes, six and a half point favorites on the road at Ottawa. It is said that Vernon Adams is lacking confidence. Well, this is a good way to get it back. Do you see any hope for Ottawa
1: here, Joe? Ottawa wins this game if Montreal implodes and makes a ton of mistakes. There's going to have to be at least one defensive touchdown and or one special teams return touchdown, and very little scoring on Montreal's side because Ottawa's not going to run out more than more than 15, 20 points, even in the best of circumstances right now. So Montreal's going to have to make mistakes to let and let Ottawa capitalize on it. Don't say that. Right now, mind you, Montreal's shown the propensity to do that yeah. from time to time this year but I don't think they make the number of mistakes and the number of big mistakes they would need for Ottawa to be able to capitalize and win this game.
0: If I were coaching Ottawa for this game, I would advise my players, especially the offensive linemen, to troll the hell out of the Alouettes because they've been shown to be susceptible this year to talking trash, you know, and draw that penalty. I mean, if that's the way you have to win, You could win against these Alouettes like that. This is nightmare fuel, this team and these penalties, because I can just imagine. You think they have it under control by the time the playoffs run around, and then we lose a game in the playoffs based on a penalty. I can totally see that happening, even though we're in last place in the East right now. But, yeah, I'll take the Alouettes minus the touchdown. I I, I think they can cover that. And on a 43 over-under, well, the smart bet's probably the under on 43
1: points it seems like that's been the smart bet all season so i i think i think you have to
0: yeah well okay even for this one winnipeg blue bombers four and a half point underdogs at saskatchewan
1: seems about right uh and that's not even and that's not even considering the fact it's labor day in saskatchewan which basically means that whatever can go wrong will go wrong for the Bombers. <laughs> and, uh, uh, The Riders haven't actually been that great on their home field against the Bombers, unless it's Labor Day in the new place. But it's Labor Day, so it's the Riders, and I'm just going to accept the fact that that the ghosts of Ron Lancaster and George Reed will uh, have another one up on the Bombers this week.
0: What was the uh, series in 2019?
1: The series in 2019, I can't remember just off the top of my head. I can't remember they played if they played more than two i know that the the labor day and and the banjo bowl went riders by riders by a last second field goal right. and the banjo bowl and mind you these are the two games that harris missed last year uh right so the riders won labor day by a last second field goal and the bombers blew that blew right. the doors off of them at, at banjo bowl which is one of the more enjoyable experiences i've ever had at a cfl game mind you <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think you may have mentioned that was Kolaros? Just a few times. Kolaros was not nope, quarterback.
1: Nope. That was a. Okay. That was a Straveler game. Kolaros wouldn't come along for another month or so.
0: So we really, past precedence is not really going to set anything here. I sure,
1: I sure hope not, because <laughs> the bombers and Labor Day don't mix very well. Okay, now the Riders are what four and zero? Uh did, did they have a bye? They had the bye last week, so they are three and zero. They're three and zero. Okay. They get the bye week going into Labor Day. I mean, it's, it, it's a great scenario when you look at it that way for them.
0: It sure is. Wow, there's really no argument. There's no smart money on Winnipeg here. As a gambler, I guess I would say uh, just take Saskatchewan this time and take Winnipeg next
1: week. That seemed, yeah, Now, the banjo bowl tends to be a 50-50, a 50-50, maybe a 60-40 thing, whereas Labor Day, if you're a gambler and believe in past precedent at all, you're, you, you'll you'll bite the bullet the few times that Winnipeg's going to win that game, and just deal with it.
0: Right. Yeah. Going into going into week five. Okay, I think that these are the best two teams in the league. Okay, going into week five, I think in a hundred games, it's fifty games for Winnipeg, fifty games for Saskatchewan,
1: going on a neutral on a neutral field right. as long as it's not a specific day of the year. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> Right. Like, even if you want to give half the games at home to Saskatchewan, I think it's still 50 50 thereabouts. Right. So, I would have no problem just doubling down on that. Just, you know, win your Saskatchewan game and then take Winnipeg. Do they win by five? That's tough to say. Because not probably
1: not. It's probably a last second. It'll probably yeah. be like a last second uh, fumble or something of this sort that makes Bomber fans want to cry. <laughs>
0: but if Saskatchewan wins, I would have to guess that this 43 over under is toast. It's gotta be over.
1: Possibly, but have you seen the games Winnipeg's been playing lately?
0: Yeah. I think I, I think Winnipeg is capable of scoring a lot more points than than you do. And Harris is back. So oh, I think that's gonna be a barn burner. I think that might be the first barn burner we get this year so far. Right. Let's go to this next one. This next one looks interesting too, given the circumstances. Toronto, just a two and a half point underdog at Hamilton. And I'm gonna say it right now. Hamilton did not blow me away last week. Dane Evans did not blow me away. The last time I saw Toronto, they did blow me away, and they had a bye week. So I'm I'm taking Toronto to win outright here at Hamilton.
1: Have we picked the Have we picked the these three games the same? Then Montreal Saskatchewan Toronto. I'm going Toronto too, because I've seen Toronto. First of all, they beat Calgary on the road in Week One. That's impressive enough. Even with Calgary, Calgary is not the same Calgary as we're used to. Not quite. But they're still well coached. They They still have some talent. They're not an easy out. So to go on the road and beat them in the first week of the season, that's something. Second game against Winnipeg, they just couldn't get their offense going. But then the third game against Winnipeg in the rematch... They not only got their offense going, the defense played well enough to keep Winnipeg from really, truly threatening in that game. Even though the score is a touchdown, Toronto owned that game a lot more than that score said. So um, Hamilton's still kind of in prove-it status to me, and Toronto has proved it to me, so I'm going Toronto. 44 point over under there. I'd probably go under on that. All
0: right, final one. Edmonton, six-point underdogs at Calgary. That's pretty high. From a betting perspective, this would be the game where I say, okay, I'm going to take Calgary to win, but Edmonton to cover, because if I had to make a bet here, I would say Edmonton covers that six. I don't know if they win, but Calgary is just not a point machine. In an ideal Calgary game, they win the time of possession battle by about 10 or 12 points, and they win by about six points. This year especially, they're not looking to blow teams out. They can't pass it far. Uh, they don't have the big play defense like they used to. Yeah. They're just willing to, like like you were talking about Winnipeg, they're just willing to control the ball and grind it out. And I think that's what's going to happen in this game. And I think the Elks probably have just enough to stay competitive with a long week and a bye week.
1: They uh, the, Elks have, the Elks have so much talent, but the bye week, wasn't exactly the most restful one you've ever you've ever seen. That's they are. I, I, I'm not. Good, I I can't claim to know this for a fact, but given that they lost one of their one of their starting offensive linemen to this, they're certainly not in. They're certainly a, a disarray. Might be a stretch, but they're certainly not as put together as they were a couple weeks ago. There's definitely definitely problems going on there, and and until they're they're back to prove-it status for me. Mm -hmm. I got to see them come together after all this and show that, first of all, they can score touchdowns on a more consistent basis (laughs) and that they have gotten past this um, COVID-related episode. So I'm taking Calgary, and, and I'm not even blinking an eye right now.
0: Wow, not blinking an eye. Okay, Because I am blinking an eye. I am blinking an eye. Simply because, I mean, look, okay, if this were a situation where the Elks were playing Montreal, I'd be all over Montreal. Because Montreal has a pass rush. You know, if they were playing Saskatchewan, I'd be all over Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan has a pass rush. But I just, again, I don't believe that Calgary is outstanding in any area of the game right now. And...
1: (laughs) They're also not deficient in any area. Well, that's
0: true. Right. They're just there at, you know, uh, okay, so 14 games even, so eight and six. You know, they're right there at that level. You know, they're not going to lose to the teams. They're not supposed to lose to, but they're not going to beat the top two or three teams either. You know, consistently. So, you know, I just, for me, I mean, this is, I don't want to say this is the team that Edmonton wants to. I think the team that anybody wants to face this auto. but they could
1: have drawn a maybe
0: not They too. could have drawn a lot worse than Calgary after you know this tumultuous week that they've had. So
1: on the road on a on a holiday, hmm, I I, I could think of a lot of better ways to do this than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well,
0: I guess that'll be our disagreement. There. 'Cause I have I have Edmonton
1: Covering six points. So we'll we'll say that
0: we agreed on all the outcomes. Okay, Joe, what do you got this week? Oh yeah, you told me already We have this week in fantasy football?
1: Mike Tycats. Oh, we are okay. both two and two. We're both chasing the the two teams up at three and one and hoping to hoping to catch up pretty quickly here.
0: Okay, great. We've been really slack about reminding all y'all if you'd like if you'd like to buy some really swell gear with a really sharp Logo, the Rose White Blue CFL podcast. Please feel free to do so. I know that an easy way to access it is shop What What's the actual name of the host,
1: Joe? It is
0: Teespring. Right, Teespring. Okay, so you can also go through there. And I guess that puts a bow on it for this episode of the Rose White Blue CFL podcast. For my co-host Richard, I'm Oz Davis, and we will talk to you next week.